Hey guys, here I'm your host Sid Patel, CEO of Beverage Trade Network. I'm here with Richard Siddle. He's the co-founder of The Buyer, editor of The Buyer, you know, a, a magazine in UK which is really growing fast, which talks about the business of wine as well. So Richard, thanks for having me at your house. You know, why don't you give our audience a little bit about your, you know, uh, journey and how you ended up uh, with this role? Yeah, it's great. No, no, nice to have you. No, nice to have you here. I feel like I'm on some sort of daytime TV show. It's all right. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> nice to see you as well. Super. So uh, let's talk about your journey. How did you start it? And give us a little, you know, our audience a little context about what you've been doing and who are you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, who am I? Well, first, I suppose in the context of wine and, and drinks, I mean, I, I'm actually, I see myself more as a sort of business journalist. So um, actually, when I left university, I actually wanted to be a film director, to be honest, but um, I worked out how hard it was to become a film director. And then I realized actually learning to be a journalist was a lot, lot easier. Um, but I've always been interested in business and and actually how companies work and how how product, how businesses get their product from A to B. Mm-hmm. So I've actually worked in lots of different sectors. So I've worked in uh, mainly in grocery retail, a lot of like working with major FMCG consumer goods brands. I worked in the supermarket sector. I worked in the convenience retail sector. Um, I spent a bit, bit of time working in, in the travel industry mm-hmm. um, and each time you, you go into working into another sector you, you have to understand the dynamics and how that how that industry actually works mm-hmm. you know what are the kind of pressure points in that industry what are the way what how does it actually function so when I first came into the drinks wine sector it was actually to edit a magazine called Harper's Wine and Spirits mm-hmm. um, and I, although I had covered wine and drinks before in my other retail magazines it was mainly more uh, the supermarket level uh, not at the produc- production distribution side of it mm-hmm. so to be honest um, I've actually become a journalist who's, who's become a specialist in that sector Got it. Um, but I mean I'm, I'm not I wouldn't say I'm, I'm necessarily a wine expert yeah I, I'd like to see myself as being more of a an expert as it were or a specialist in actually how to, how to deliver business content Got it. Super. I mean, I, I you know, uh, I'm sure I've told before, but I'm a fan of your work okay. and I do uh, respect uh, your journalism approach, you know, which has been consistent for all these years. You know, for all the all the writers, I would really uh, I always tell them to have a look at your articles Regardless. because it's, it's really consistent. It has got great punchy lines. It has got that, those elements. Right. So I really want to deep dive there yeah. uh, on. You know, uh, w- what is a good story? Like, what should it include? Well, I think actually going back to that business element, and actually, I'm also I'm a trained journalist as well, and, I, and without sounding patronising to mm-hmm. drinks writers, lots of them are are actually coming into the sector because they're really interested in wine, mm-hmm. or they're really interested in spirits, and that's that's their passion. Whereas I'm actually more interested in the actual story, the content, and to do that, you really absolutely need to nail who your reader is. Okay. So when you first do any kind of journalism course, the, the, the most important person in the whole story is the person who's reading it. So you, your job as a journalist is to interview somebody and to talk to somebody, and all the time the objective is to, what is my reader mm-hmm. going to be interested in? So obviously if you work in different industries, different sectors, what that is will change. But when it comes to business, um, primarily it's, People ultimately need need to make money. They need to be profitable. Mm-hmm. They need to be efficient. They need to know how to um, do their job properly. And, and my job really is to is to 
find the stories, find the people, find the companies, find the issues that are ultimately going to help my reader who, who, who work um, at the day-to-day buying, selling uh, wines and spirits, mm-hmm. how to do their job. Um, I think that, to be honest, is, is what drives me day in, day out. Um, and actually, to be honest, a lot of the time, I'm not personally necessarily personally excited or personally interested necessarily in the in the story I'm writing. Mm-hmm. But I am I am excited if I know it's going to it's going to be relevant to, the, to my reader, which might which might sound a bit counterproductive. But whereas a lot of people might write an article because they're really into natural wine or they really like Spanish wine yeah. or they really love a particular region, um, that doesn't interest me really. Yeah. It's more about is a sommelier, is a wine merchant, is a supermarket buyer, is a is an importer going to find those contents and what what I'm finding out interesting for for their jobs. Got it. So you try to always uh, focus on the reader and then sort of reverse engineer the topic totally. based on the reader, right? Yeah, exactly. So people will come to you and they'll suggest, you know, would you want to interview yeah. X person from Y wine company or hmm. Why spirits company, and it does frustrate me a little bit where PR companies or businesses come to you and they don't really put any effort or thought process into why would I, hmm. Richard Siddle from the buyer, hmm. be interested in writing this article as opposed to Joe Blogs or Mary yeah. Blogs working for another magazine? Because because we all have different purposes, we all have different readerships. Yeah, and I think I think the drinks industry has a lot a lot of still needs to be a lot more focused on the end reader True. in the same way that it needs to be focused on the consumer yeah you yeah know, too much of the time it's focused on what's in in, in their in their, their house in, yeah. in, in their glass and how it's how it gets there true whereas ultimately the consumer just wants to enjoy the product or right. the reader just wants to know the information they need so that's come up that's kind of what what drives and motivates me and you know very kind of you to say so and that's that's essentially what the bar is all about you know our, our tagline is connecting the premium on trade and we want to connect drink producers mm-hmm. with buyers and that's pr- that's our pr- primary goal sure uh, i want to bring value to the editors right so let, let's say if i really uh if you had a coaching session with an editor and you had 15 minutes you know uh, what sort of things you would tell that him or her on how to improve and become a better editor well to be honest, i would kind of look at the the publication that they're producing okay um, be it a website, be it a magazine, and would, why don't we use a real case study here? Let's say the sommelier.business.com. You know, it's a yeah. magazine of sommeliers. Okay. You know, what approach would you take in? Well, I probably, I'd, actually, to be honest, what I probably would do is actually, is actually, actually ask the editor. Okay. Without, without sounding like I'm repeating myself, is to say to them, who in your mind's eye is your is your reader? All right. And get them to to, to explain to me. Okay. Who their reader is, and what the what what are the issues that they think their reader is most interested mm-hmm. in, and from that response, I would be able to determine whether or not they're really focused in on the industry that they're serving. Now, if if, if that answer is is very much more about, oh uh, well, you know, we wrote this story and it got lots of hits, and we wrote this story and and, and got very very in depth around a particular mm. piece of content. I would always say to an editor, your job is to sort of step back a little bit and, and to look at the look at what you're doing in the round. So you're looking at, at the, the, the again, it's again, I'm sorry, I'm repeating mm. myself, but it's it's they need to be totally focused on the business of a sommelier. Mm. So what is it a sommelier is tasked with? What, what are the 
what are the, the reasons that a sommelier is in that job? What will determine that sommelier staying in their job? How does that sommelier improve their skills? How does that sommelier um, ultimately make more rest, more money for the restaurant that they're working in? And ultimately is, make is there like money a for themselves. Terminology or a framework which goes behind it? Like, is there is it, what what is it called? You know, in a in a more systematic approach. If you had to hmm. say, okay, what's your what's your menu look like? What does your content plan look like? What is a disciplined way of you know, let's say launching a magazine or and being yeah. disciplined for twelve months. It's a bit. Is there a process? Uh, yeah. What I'm I mean, there to is. Say? Yeah, and I, actually, I jokingly said when we sat down about you know being on daytime TV or you know like a magazine yeah, type yeah. show. You know, lot, lots of the really best magazines and the best newspapers, best TV TV shows you watch. You know, they don't they don't start the the show with the you know most in your face information sometimes Got it. They, they kind of they need to make your 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 guest i suppose your reader or your viewer feel comfortable with what you're doing mm. so if you're with a, with a magazine off, often you know you'll 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 have what i call sort of like peaks and flows through mm. through it so you'll have uh you might have like a a, a a detailed analysis on a particular issue so it could be like a three or four page really comprehensive, very, very detailed um, investigation into a certain issue. When you finish that particular article, if you, if you say you're talking about a magazine, you don't want to then suddenly go into another great big piece of content because the reader kind of like is coming out of that going, right, you know. So you're, what you might do then is have a single page little Q&A profile with somebody or no. my five top tips on how to Succeed. So, so the content, the next bit of content is actually more relaxed content. It's very easy to digest, and you you then you then build up again to the next big chunky piece of content. So you're kind of taking your journey, a bit like a film director. You yeah, know, yeah, when yeah. you're watching a film, you know they they build the characters. Yeah. They have a serious action sequence or a serious piece of plot, mm. and then they follow that with a, a more relaxed. So you have time as a as a viewer to. To take on board what you've just seen, mm. and then you kind of build up again, and, and that's very much a similar approach with the best magazines and best websites and best pieces of content. Is is managing it in a way that the person who's who's viewing it or reading it um, can best digest it. If that's not doesn't sound too poncy. <laughs> yeah, no, got it. Uh, and personal, you know, uh, personally, uh, how do you manage your day? Like, do you do your thinking at a particular hour that works for you? Do you, you know? Uh, are you at your peak in writing at a particular hour? Uh, what what does what well, does your time schedule? <laughs> I suppose any journalist or or somebody who has to hit a deadline is, is actually hitting <laughs> hitting the deadline. So for me, every day, you know, we we put a piece of pieces of content onto the website. So the most important thing for me is to is to make sure. I have some really good, interesting content for the website. But let's say uh, I was going more on the distractions. How do you? Uh, is is there like a two hour where you're just not going to check your emails or phone and you just yeah? Like your primary focus has to be hitting that deadline. So um, on a website, obviously, it's every day. In a, in a magazine, or you know, if you're producing a TV show, it might be you know once a week or okay. whatever. So you've got to create create content to hit a deadline. So you, as a journalist, have to have that discipline to be able to like. To know you've got to hit it, and and then and quite and to polish, if so suddenly you know you've been working all day long, you've been writing all day long, and then suddenly you get a new deadline. Your deadline is in an hour's time. It's four o'clock in the afternoon. You're tired. 
you know, and someone suddenly just gives you another deadline and say, can you write a thousand words and I need it in an hour? Then you just got to go again. You but just, you know you that, just, I mean, I mean, personally, you have a discipline to do it. You for me, it would, it. it would be bad quality and execution. I know deep inside if I'm just like, you well, know. Well, no, but it's, it's a bit like a sports, a sports, a member of a sports team, isn't it? If you're, you're playing in a game and then you're winning and you're doing really well, and then suddenly the other team comes back and equalizes, or, or goes ahead in the game, you've suddenly got to go again. You've got to, you've got to find that extra energy. Right. And, again, and again, I think actually it comes back to the, the, the training and skills as a journalist, because you're trained and, you're, and your, your, your tasks is to deliver that content for your reader. I understand. And it doesn't matter if it's nine o'clock in the morning or if it's nine o'clock at night, if, if that's the, the, the discipline, then it's down to you uh-huh. to do it. And, I, and I, my biggest piece of advice to any young journalist or any young writer or whatever else, is remember it's not about you yeah it's about your reader and it's about if they the best time for them is to receive that content at 10 o'clock in the evening then that's when you have to give it to them got it you know you don't do it because you're you want to have a nice long bath or you want to go to the pub you know if you want to succeed in your particular sector yeah you have to give people the content when when they want it yeah so obviously you've got lots of logistics not logistics lots of analytics now that allow you to show what when, time is the best yeah, to publish? Exactly. So there's no, no point in publishing an article at yeah. eleven o'clock on a Sunday evening or something with it. But um, you know, but yeah, it, it, ultimately, it, you you have to find that energy. Got it. Um, and that discipline comes from a the need to hit a deadline, your training, your just your, your personal commitment to, yeah. to, to to doing the very. I best. I think that's the main thing. Your how commit how serious you are exactly. in producing consistent quality work. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, I would love to know, uh, you know, if you were building a content team, like a writers, right, writing yeah. team for your magazine, what sort of interview questions would you ask, and how would you qualify a good writer to join your team? Like, what is your interview format or? Well, also, you know, in a way, I would go back perhaps to your previous question and say, you know, you've been working all flat out all week. It's four o'clock on a Friday, um, and you get you get given a a great scoop of a story. What do you do? Got it. And then see what they say. If they say, well. I need to go. I want. I want to go at five, five o'clock. I'll. Yeah. I'll leave it till Monday. <laughs> they probably wouldn't say that in an interview. Yeah, but, yeah exactly. They won't but, say but, that. Yeah. But you can still. You can sniff them out though. You. You. you, you want, but are, are there? Any you want to see that energy. You want to see that excitement. Got you it. want to see the passion. And and ultimately, it's all about. Yeah, that that desire to do the very best. And I've always said this to every journalism team I work with. That, yeah, I, I could be quite demanding as an editor. I can be quite demanding in terms of like wanting people to to do the extra interview, to ring another person, to get a better quote, to get to get some more information. And, and I know sometimes people would get frustrated, perhaps like you know, it's every day, it's mm. all the time, mm. you know. But if you want to be the best, and if you want to deliver the content for your readers, then that's what you've got to do. And I, and I think actually, to be honest, it's, it's, it's very notable that there are some very good journalists in the industry who. You know, you go on a press trip and you go back to your room in the evening and you, you might have like an hour before you go out at night time. You know, the, the ones who go in line, the ones who go for a sauna, the ones who go and sit by the pool for an hour, and the ones who literally go back to the room, make write, the write the content or make the notes or get the information out. Because ultimately you are there yeah. to produce content. Yeah, yeah. They're not, you're not there to go, and go, go for a nice swim. For the, for the writers, uh, for the interview, coming back on that, right? But still, there would be like three or four questions you would you would ask, like you know, uh, this, as far as the tactical questions, like what's, how much time does it take to write a thousand word article? I know I may sound dif- uh, no no no, you know, not literate enough to ask those questions. But what are this kind of questions to 
at least have a checkpoint that okay you've you've asked this 10 questions yeah i, I might i might do it more around um giving 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 somebody an example of a story and say you know you're going in to interview the chief executive of a of a major wine importer or a major wine producer one of the kind of questions that you would ask them Got so it. you'd ask them to yeah yeah come to, up with to, the question so up, you know the come, thinking process as well yeah so you can then get an idea of what kind of things that they and or you say how would you go about researching or how would you go about preparing yourself for that interview so you a lot of the time you're actually putting the, your the employee or the journalist yeah, yeah. on the spot to ask them how because you know a lot of time when you're writing and you're thinking and you, and you, you know a lot of it's all internalized you, know, you can't actually see what someone's thinking you know? yeah so you've got to try and get that out of somebody and, and, and a lot of time in journalism people will talk about having a really strong news sense yeah you know and by that it means that they they have an ability to be able to cut to the to the core and, and another thing actually could be um you know you it could be like the company results are coming out for tesco or sainsbury's okay. and it can be really complicated you know 30 40 pages of financial analysis you know how, what are the what are the tricks or how would you go about working out what what is the key story from that result that's an interesting thing and the, and there are certain things that you that you look for in in results i've noticed uh, approach mm-hmm. and uh, fishing and recruiting your stakeholders for the interview is becoming a challenge but then you have this great tool called linkedin right and many other tools like that so how do you uh, what kind of things would you know that they are a good hunter? Like they just can get the job done. Like you just have to tell them, okay, interview the buyer of Tesco. But you know, the problem is, do you know that this person have the ability to find themselves that buyer and interview versus the other person who needs an introduction? Yeah, well, I guess it, a lot of these things are a little bit of gut instinct as well. I mean, most people who are coming to you hopefully will have a CV and will have previous cuttings from. Do you, you see know, previous networks or their network strength? Yeah, well, you, you'd be able to see, you know, how did you get this interview? Got it. What what was the? How did you go about talking to this person? How did you set set it up? Um, to be honest, a lot of time with with networks, it's it's not always that relevant if they're coming from another sector because mm-hmm. they they're obviously got they got to learn. When they join your Got your it. sector, my my approach again will come back to, for example, in wine. If I'm working for a business magazine in wine, um, the most important people to know are the buyers, yeah. are the people in the importers, are the people in the distributors, are some of the the, the leading wine merchants, the people actually at the nitty gritty end. They're not the wine commentators, the wine critics. They're not also sometimes they're not like chateau owners of Bordeaux wineries, or they're not necessarily the head of you know an appellation in Burgundy, yeah, yeah. or the people who the people who who sell the nicest wines. Got it. And I have worked with so-called journalists in, in other on on some titles whereby if they go to a wine tasting, uh, a trade wine tasting, and they'll come back and they would have tasted 30, 40 amazing wines, and yeah. they'd be really excited about the wines they tasted. Yeah. But I'll say, did you talk to the chief executive about the strategy going forward? Did you talk Got to the to leading buyer about how they chose those wines to be there? Yeah. Or did you just go and taste the wines? And the ones who just go and taste the wines wouldn't be relevant for my kind of journalism I do. Got it. it might be relevant for that. It it's might a good be point. You, you would ask relevant. questions around the business 
and you would try to dig if they've done yeah. if why, their approach why, is like that. Yeah, yeah, if you've got 50 wines though, why have they chosen those 50 wines? How did they go about selecting those 50 wines? Why are those producers? Got it. I mean, there are, obviously there are you know lots of wine sites where the focus is on just the wines. Got it. And the people who are reading those those sites are people who are just literally wanting information on the wines. I'm not, I'm not discounting that completely. I'm just saying for a business business team, you need to know the why it's yeah. there yeah. or what it's doing there, not just the fact it's there and True. tastes nice. True. What's what's the uh, speed part of it? Like, is there a minimum quantity you expect? Uh, maybe something like two articles of thousand words per day, or what is the benchmark of our industry? Like B two B. You know, writer minimum expectations. Uh, I, I, I completely understand. It depends on the quality, but still, there must be an, a minimum performance benchmark. Yeah, I mean, basically, you need you need to be able to work work at a pace to hit a, hit a deadline. So, so most business magazines, you know, you'd be expecting someone to be able to write a couple of news stories in an hour, and they could be three hundred words long. Three hundred. Okay. Well, that, you know, that'd be two two separate news yeah. stories, which they have to start from scratch and. And, and produce, or well, I might be a bit harsh. Actually, it might be one one new story like that in an hour. A, a proper journalist, a good journalist, should be able to churn churn out or, or write. Should be able to write, you know, a good a thousand, two thousand word feature, and, and and do that in half a day, three quarters of a day, really. Wow, nice. Um, I mean, you know, a lot or a lot less. I'm sure you a lot less time if you if you're up against a deadline. I was, but I do, I, yeah, I used to get frustrated if somebody went, took, took a day off, not day off, sorry, they, they said I'm going to work from home for a day to, to write a feature. Oh, and then they came back the next time to the office yeah. and said they didn't, haven't finished it. It'd be like going, well, yeah, you can, if you put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, well, I mean, obviously, if you're working on a national newspaper, you, yeah. know, you might be, be asked to do five, six, seven stories a day. Oh. You know, or might be, might, you might literally start in the morning, 10 o'clock. Come up with an idea for a thousand-word feature and have it have it written by two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, there, there's a there's a lot of different disciplines Got on it. different different titles you work on. But again, it's a bit like having a an athlete or a or a you know you need to have the yeah. natural fitness or the natural capability to be able to up or lower your your rate of of, of, of work yeah. depending on what you have, and you need to be able to understand how to to use those skills in a way that's going to maximize your output um, and don't get bogged down in detail don't get bogged down in um you know have i crafted the perfect sentence mm. sometimes it's a, it's all about a, a, again a lot of journalism you know we, we come back to is the who the what the how the why and the when and providing you've answered those five five things in the first paragraph or two paragraphs then you've kind of nailed it Sorry, can you repeat that again? It's the who, <laughs> the who, the why, the what, the how, and the when. Nice. They are the five who, what, how, why, when. It's kind of what every journalist kind of has as their mantra. Got it. So if you think about every news story you read, yeah. if you actually look at the first paragraph, they'll have the answer to, well, the first two paragraphs, you'd have the answers to those. Which is why, actually, to be fair, the, the, the journalists who work on the tabloid newspapers, yep. You know, they they can nail that in less than 30, 40 words. Uh, so, uh, Richard, great tips there. Uh, we want to go into, uh, you know, uh, the marketing side of things, right? Personally, uh, what I've been doing with my, our, you know, sometimes stories is really, you know, being native to the platform. So, like, if this story we know would work great on LinkedIn, 
or a header of, or that picture would be doing on LinkedIn because the objective is purely LinkedIn impressions. Sometimes, you know, the objective is different than the reader, which your objective is, you yeah. know, uh, and most of the marketing uh, objectives are usually different than, you know, it's, it's usually getting con consumers to the win winery's website and selling wine, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, what would you, what advice would you give in uh, creating a good, let's say, uh, content that would do good on LinkedIn versus something, an example would do great on Instagram, but they both are on the websites. It's just yeah. when you distribute it, you think that, that that will get good traction. Yeah, I mean, it depends whether you're looking at engagement rates or impressions, you're still wanting wanting to attract that target or target reader again, aren't you? So again, it is coming back to that same point. That, yeah, true. You know, if you're if you're LinkedIn, because the reader is just on that platform too. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. still the LinkedIn impressions. You know, if you've got if you get a good connection with your on your LinkedIn, it means that you've really hit the mark with your potential audience on LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn people want to be respected and they want to be spoken to in a way that. Um, respects their business acumen, so they, they don't want a kind of a Facebook style, hi, hi guys, how you doing? I, I went down to, and here's my article on this yeah. approach. You want you want a more of a, a factual, um, you know, you know, we've all heard a lot about the metaverse. Yeah. You know, here we talk to so-and-so who really gives you, you know, five great tips on how to understand the opportunities for the metaverse type, type, type approach. Well, I suppose on Instagram it might be more. You might you might go more of a chatty chatty um, way and and have an image that you know, to say, illustrates the metaverse. It could, uh -huh. it could be like some sort of you know visual from a from a video game or something or other. And it could be you know something on the lines of you know you may not know this person, you may not know this image, but this image is, is worth n million pounds in the metaverse type thing. So you're kind of like trying to capture someone's attention with. With the image, but also your opening, your opening line has to be, has to be the hook. So on LinkedIn, that that line needs to be more factual and yeah, more factual, more respectful. And then on link on Instagram, uh, Facebook, it needs to be what you might what you might start a TV show with. You know, hi, in your face, bang. Got it. You know, I think what what i'm personally starting to understand that this is a whole game of brand building now like long-term brand building even if it's a media asset right and you got to start uh, adding little elements like logo on your in linkedin image or whatever it is right so of a media asset because ultimately you know uh the the way people are consuming content is really not like coming to your website and then reading and then coming uh, to the last word because that's what we have been measuring like yeah, bounce yeah, yeah. rate and you know uh, views on the blog so uh, how like do you how do you know that you're doing good let's say yeah it's a very, very good point actually I mean yeah in an ideal world you know you like the idea of everybody reading from the beginning right down to the last word but um, you know the, the I think we have to remember as a journalist or as a writer or as a, as a publisher you know people aren't consuming content in the, in the way that you used to so yes even if you get a magazine through through your door you still got to get them to actually open it up and actually spend the time reading it and if, you, if you're producing content online you can't ever ever, ever expect someone's literally in the morning going to type in the buyer and go onto your website to think oh what has Richard written today it's all about pushing that content under the, the noses of the most appropriate reader mm. so we yeah we spend a lot of time 
um, doing our SEO tagging stories and doing a lot of work in our content management system. So if someone typed in in a, a search, um, so they're interested in a certain topic. So it could be, I don't know, client, uh, impact of supply chain on mm. UK wine industry or whatever. Um, you know, if we've written an article about that, then our, our story is likely to be very high on Google. So we get a lot of organic search. So I mean, a lot of our, our traffic to our website is coming coming internationally. Um, it's coming from America. It's coming from South America. It's coming from all around the world. But a lot of that, a lot of that is people tagging in a certain issue. Yeah. You know, uh, harvest in France or Chablis or you know, and they'll find an article that we've written. God. So there's so there's that aspect to it. Then I think there's the social media content. So as a journalist, you, you really need to understand how to write an effective tweet or how to write an effective LinkedIn uh -huh. post. So you need to put as much information as you possibly can in those 144 characters mm -hmm. or however many it is to make sure that people actually can take the real, the who, the what, the how, the when in that, thing, in, yeah. that, in that tweet. Yeah. So yeah, ideally they'd click on it and then spend the next two minutes reading your article. Yeah, yeah. But actually, if they, if they just read your tweet or like it or, or engage with your tweet, You've, you've done at least half your job or you've done part of your job. So you've, you've got that content out there. You've got it under the under the noses of the right people. Obviously, you can tag people in and... G give us a um, good example of teasers, right? Where, I mean, you are, you, your words are, is your tool, right? Like, so mm -hmm. you, you have, I'm sure like you are the best person to give that advice. Like what, what are some good teasers, a hook where I can say, -da -da, and then click for more information in a simple word. But what are a good ways yeah. to tell well, them to, you know, do this. I think one big thing would be not to tease too much. Okay. So don't like say, you know, you know, we we talk to X person and the, we can announce there's a major reveal. You know, no, click here to find out what it is. I, I think that people are gonna, that's just going to annoy people. So I think you have to be you, have, you literally have to like stick it all up front. You got to you got to like say, you know, so and so boss says. You know, last year was a living hell. You know, we're bouncing back from a living hell or something. Got it. Find out more. You know, you got to you got to get. You got to give, but you, still find out more. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, you got to you got to serve up the main dinner in in the tweet. Don't don't do the kind of. I mean, obviously, on a magazine cover. Yeah, yeah. You know, you might say, you know, why does why does you know so why is so and so so angry or why is so and so so happy? Yeah. What, what are the good characteristics of a good title? Like, how would you? come up with nice titles? Um, well, again, in, on online, you know, you can't be too clever because SEO won't won't like it. So you, if you, you can't really do play on words or you can't do, you know, you can't use a sort of a Shakespearean quote in a, in a, in a head, in a headline because Google doesn't, yeah. doesn't understand it. So you've got to yeah, be, yeah. you've got to be quite, again, quite clear and, 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 and simple in what you're doing online. Obviously in a magazine, you know, you can be a lot more creative and be a lot more, use a lot more Got it. phrases and, and, and turns of phrase. Um, so again, it's, it's just remembering what kind of content you've got. But is that like, is there some uh, basic principles, like four four words is better uh, instead oh, of say, yeah, yeah. Words. Well, I mean, I, I mean, actually to be honest, yeah, I mean, you know, most headline, yeah, you, you've got, if you've got like a two deck headline of a certain size, it actually looks visually, if you can write a headline that fills up most of that two deck got it then it, it just looks nice yeah it looks clean got it. it looks like you really spent your time working on it to make make it yeah if you just have a, a two deck headline that literally just has like one word on the 
the second, on the second yeah. line and then a massive load of white space. Yeah. He looks lazy. He looks like yeah. he haven't really bothered thinking about a, 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 True. So, do you mean, it's, it's, it's the, it's, I mean, you as a reader, yeah. as a user, probably don't think of all that yeah. in your head, but you instantaneously yeah. do. You kind of think, oh, that looks a bit crap. <laughs> and, and you're less likely to, to click on it because you you think the person hasn't spent. So, yeah, you, you need to be um, very, yeah, make, make sure it looks clean, make sure it has effective, um, make, make sure you're using words that everyone understands. Don't try and be too clever. Okay. And I think actually, again, if you're, I mean, if this sounds, uh, if you're doing mailers and sending out newsletters, uh, your subject bar on your email is massively important. So if you just put press release or uh, newsletter, um, the chances of people opening it massively reduce. Whereas if you actually put, mm. you know, um, the the golden nugget of what it is you're talking about. Okay. You know, put it in your in your subject bar. Yeah. Does tell, does tell anything like name of the business or name of the person uh, work usually? If if it's yeah, just, like it just literally just what it is, because um, okay. In fact, actually, that that trick I I once was sitting in a I was being interviewed on BBC Radio once, and I was sitting next to a, a producer, and he had his emails coming in, and I was doing a series of interviews with different radio stations. So as we were waiting for the next interview coming in, I was just watching him and he literally was just deleting virtually 90% of the emails without ever opening them. And I said, isn't that a bit harsh on the person who sent you the email? Why? Because you don't even know what's in it. Yeah. And he goes, well, if they don't tell me what's in it in the subject bar, I've got a thousand to read. I don't have time. Yeah. So the ones they read are the ones that says, That's a good you know, point, yeah. like, um, you know, Heidi wins the best in class at in a, in a dog show or something yeah, or yeah. you know don't 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 just put dog show results yeah put say you know six foot i don't know just got to, it, to be absolutely it. clear what it is that it, that you're selling yeah, yeah, yeah and put that in the subject bar and i, I mean you do that in any, any kind of business yeah but it's massively important True. and if you just think about your own email how you go through your own email yeah yeah if you just got lots of email that just literally just says yeah you know newsletter sale discount yeah, yeah. And, and let's go on the, the first paragraph and mm -hmm. then the body and then the closing of the article right. any tips for any tips for the writers please there well again it's going back to what i said earlier about that the who what the how and you want to throw that in in the first paragraph well, if, you're, if you're writing a news story so if you're doing a news story as in what actually you know tesco has today released its figures you know tesco announces slump in figures on back of supply chain, COVID outbreak, mm -hmm. whatever you know, you get that in. You you put all that information in the top to top, okay. and then you then you can then start building that content through. And then obviously, second or third paragraph, you need to quantify that, qualify, qualif quantify it, qualify it, potentially with a quote from the chief executive about what it is that caused that those results. And then as you go through the, the story, the idea is you put the most important information at the top. And then it goes down in descending order. So there's no point if you've got a really great quote. It's not like a who done it who done it book. You don't re reveal the murderer in the last sentence. Yeah. You don't put your best information right down at the end, because the chances are you lose readers all the way down. Yeah. Because as they find out everything they need to know, then you lose your readers, and then potentially, got well, it. You, so the last line should be the least important. Uh -huh. And how that works in newspapers. Is if you're working on a sub-editor on a, on, a, on a desk and they have the pages in front of them, they literally just cut from the bottom. So say they've got 
they need, oh, well. they need, they need to put another story in yeah, the news yeah. down the bottom, and then so they need to cut this story down by half. They literally just cut it in half. I understand. And they put another story in. So you should be able to written your story so that they just cut it there. It's not like you've then got all this other content down below that really so, needed uh, to be in. Like if I to write uh, 10 tips for sommeliers on upselling wine, for example, yeah, you know, uh, you you would you think that first one should be the, the most, most powerful yeah, one? Yeah, the most, the most, the most, yeah. Okay. How to make money. <laughs> okay. How to, you know, you know, whatever, whatever yeah, you, yeah. whatever you, you know, if you talk to Ronan Saban at Pall Mall, whatever he says is the most important thing that somebody needs to know, that has to be number one. Don't, don't have that at number 10, thinking oh. like you're doing a kind of a yeah, yeah. 10 to one, you know, 10 is, you know, it's not like watching the TV where people are committed to watch the top 10 show. You got it. It's, you've got to get the number one in first and then the 10th could be, you know. I understand. Any closing remarks for, or any tips for the writers on how, you know, uh, where they can learn, how they can become a better writer, especially in our wine business and drinks business. Yeah, well, I, I would say don't necessarily always look at your own industry. Um, look at what you like reading. What, what is it that you get most interested in if you're going on a, on a, on a long haul plane? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what magazine do you pick up to read yourself? Okay. Um, you know, is it a book, you know, it could be a magazine about movies or it could be a magazine about the econom economics or whatever. And look at some of the writers in there, and, and how they how they produce their content. You know, look at most most journalists should have other journalists in other sectors that they admire. Got it. And 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 also, to be honest, actually, just look at the news, watch the news, and see how they package the story. You mean the visual news? The visual news. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, you know, currently, obviously, the horrible situation going on at the moment. You know, look at how people are telling quite a complicated story in very visual terms, and and. Um, there are consistent journalists who worked at the major networks, the BBC, the CNNs. Any biographies you know. or any books you would recommend? Um, Andrew Marr wrote a very good book about journalism. Um, he's, he's a BBC um, news presenter. Okay. John Simpson, who's um, also another BBC uh, war correspondent, he's written uh, books about uh, being a journalist and what it, what it takes to be a good journalist. Um, I think. The, the best thing as well, other piece of advice, is you never crack it, you know. I mean, Steven Spielberg, I think, once said that he still hasn't made his best film, you know, yeah. the most successful film director of all time. Still feels like he's learning, still feels like he's got more to, to, to find out. Yeah. And I think all the time, you know, I'm learning all the time from other people, how they write, how they craft a sentence, how they pull content together. Got it. Um, you know, sometimes you know you have a, a most incredibly complicated story where you've got like 10, 12 interviews and you've got all this facts and information and it's a bit like walking into a big woodland and it's like you know you can't see the wood from the trees. Yeah. And it, it's and going back to some of these basic journalism skills, like what is the most important thing that my reader needs to know? Yeah. How do I how do I get say the first five key facts? Take those five facts out, put them in bullet points up at the top. Um, how do I, how do I then present that in a way that's going to get people, um, you know, to empathise with it? So perhaps you to quote, is a really strong quote that someone would use and put that in the story high up. And then once you've got a few, it's like almost like making a doing a jigsaw. You know, once you've got yeah. bits and pieces, it all starts coming together. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes you know people start writing, you know, and they haven't kind of like managed to get them head out head out of the the um the undergrowth as it were and actually sort of see and go back to your basic skills your basic skills of of storytelling 
and telling your reader. And if you get if you, if you keep on doing that all the time uh-huh. and take yourself out of the story, it's not about you. It's not about your ego. It's not about how great great people are going to say your story is. Yeah, it's about how effective it is for your, for your publication and for your the person who's reading it. And, and again, I, I think that's just just keep on saying that to yourself all the time. And that, that's what I do. I'm going to say that to myself at least three or four times a day. Yeah. It's not about you. It's not about what you think. It's not about how you're you're feeling. It's about how effective it is for the person you want to read it.